Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. This is happy anniversary. It is. It's happy. Is it happy anniversary? It's not an anniversary, mate. It's just episode fifty. I'm not good at anniversaries, <laughs> or but I don't get it. I don't get New Year's Eve. Wow, can I you don't believe that we made it to fifty though? Get dates. I think it's good. The number of times we have discussions where we're going, oh, we need to take a week off. We can't fit in. We can't do it. And we, we can't never do it. have because we don't want to let you down. We don't want to let each other down. Yeah. And I'm, oh, should I say that I'm amazed we got to this point? I don't know if amazed is, it makes me sound like I thought we were going to fail, but. No, but I do remember about three or four episodes in, Googling around, looking for stories and thinking, we're going to run out of dead bodies. I just couldn't think of topics. And I do feel like some topics come around again, but each time a topic will come up, I think. I've thought about the same thing and. When I, when we started this, someone said to me, oh, do you think you'll run out of content? Mm. I don't think we've ever... No. No. Because even though we've done, for instance, one story about a person keeping a dead body of someone they love in their house. Sure. Even if it's a fresh person and the same thing happening, I yeah. still want to hear it again. There's always crazy shit going on. Yeah. Who goes first tonight? You go. Okay. This is a bit of a Debbie Downer, I'm sorry. Oh. It's a bit sad. This story well, I just mine remember... are not uplifting. Well, no, it can't be. But this... Well, sometimes they are, but we... okay. And look, I've printed it in giant typing like you had yeah. the other day. This story, uh, you, you may remember it, and okay. I just remember it dragging on for years and years oh, and why? years. And I don't say that in an impatient way, as in like get it out of the way, but I just remember sympathising with the family or empathising with them, just thinking they must just want a resolution to this whole case. So this is the story of Diane Brimble. In 2002, she was 42 years old and a mother of three. And on Monday, September the 23rd, 2002, around about five in the afternoon, she hopped on board a ship called the Pacific Sky. She was going for a cruise to Numea, New Caledonia and Vanuatu. And with her were her sister, her 12-year-old daughter and her niece. There were 1,500 passengers on board the ship. And about the same time that Diane got on board, a group of men who were also taking the cruise. I know this story. Eight men. You do know this story. Yeah. I would never go on a cruise. No. Well, I just hate being trapped. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm. Oh, I get really seasick too. Have you ever been invited to a party on a boat? They did it for a work Christmas party once. Like, oh, we're all getting on a boat on the river. No, not doing it. I get seasick in a puddle. Yeah, same. (laughs) Not even the seasick, just the the, I'm trapped thing. Quick story. Yeah. Uh, Nico and I have obviously been together for. Forever. Forever. Hurry though. Uh, So currently together 13 years. Right. It wasn't until the 10-year point that we got on a boat together. (laughs) And I had never, ever said to him that I get seasick because the situation had never come up. So we got on a boat in New York. We sat down and I looked at him and I said, just so you know, I get violently seasick. (laughs) And he just looked at me like, Bella. Ten years. You're telling me now while we're sitting on a boat. Was it just the Staten Island Ferry or like one of the ones that cruises around It was the Staten Island there? Ferry. You can't get sick on that. It just goes straight across sick. the straight back. I was very sick. <laughs> I can't do it. Weren't you even like distracted by Because I get motion sickness. <clears throat> Shocking. <clears throat> no. You couldn't even go. So I used to get car I'm heading for the No. And seasick. Same. All the sick. High five, sister. How did yeah. we not know this? But I broke other? through the car sickness by being a journo because I got so used to writing scripts oh, while in the car Yeah, that I just got rid of my, my car That's sickness. That's amazing. Yeah, but ooh, I'm ooh. impressed. Well, I, you and I wouldn't be no. getting on a cruise anytime no. soon. And after this story, I think I just went, no, nah, that's it. And there's so many things with ships. Yeah, that, no. I've got another ship story I had put away for another day. <gasps> ships don't escape in them, don't go on them. So this group of eight men, they stopped to say we're getting on board, took a photo together. Mm-hmm. 
early the next morning, and I'm talking very early, it was about four o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, Diane was seen leaving the ship's disco with four of those eight men. By 8.30, paramedics were called to cabin D182 because something was wrong with Diane and two of the men had tried to revive her but they they weren't able to. At three minutes past nine on the Tuesday morning, the morning after she boarded, uh, Diane Brimble was pronounced dead. Mm. Now, the security staff were told at first that she died of a heart attack but later when they did toxicology reports, they found that she had alcohol and an overdose of the drug GHB or fantasy in her system and they say that she had... It's all coming back to me, this story. Yeah. And you're right, it went on for a really long time. Well, that's 2002 we started. Um, She had three times the amount in her system that a user would usually take if they Mm -hmm. were using that drug. And there were some injuries on her body. So I had a look at the coroner's report. There were scratches to her eye, grazes on her chest, head. Uh, She had neck injuries, abrasions on her finger and on one of her feet. So two days later, the ship docked in Numea. We talk about ships all the time, don't we? You just don't get anywhere fast. We're obsessed with ships at the moment. It's been a, a strong theme over a few episodes. <laughs> so the ship docked in Numea. Uh, detectives came on board. They spoke to various witnesses. This is where there, there were so many things done wrong in this case, yeah. one of which was Diane's own cabin was sealed, but the cabin where her body was found was not sealed. The four men who'd been with her, Mark Wilhelm, Matthew Slade, Ryan, I think it's Kukul, it's Kukel, Kukul, Mm -hmm. and Leo Silvestri, they were allowed to remove their belongings from the cabin that she was found in and they were moved to another cabin and the cabin where Diane was found was cleaned. That's unbelievable. Now, a memory stick from a camera that was owned by one of the men was handed into lost property. But it was then stolen by a P&O employee and once he realised that it had – so he must have put it in his device and had a look at it because once he – when he realised it had pictures of Diane and the men on it, he then handed it into police. So some right. of the photos had been deleted but they were able to uh, recover some of those deleted pictures and they've never been made public, those pictures, oh, okay. because they're considered to be too graphic. But some of them were, in fact, used during the court case. Okay. So in Numea, Diane's body was removed from the ship, brought back to Australia, and her funeral was held in Brisbane. Now, the four men who had been with Diane in the cabin and their four mates, Dragan Losik, Peter Pantic, Luigi Vitali, and Sakeliaros, they just call him Charlie Camburus, they were all from Adelaide in mm-hmm. South Australia. They were named by police as persons of interest in the death and an inquest was ordered and all eight men were subpoenaed to appear. So it was nearly six months later. And what are they saying at this point? These guys are saying nothing? N- yes. Right. Oh, we don't know what happened. Okay. She died of a heart attack. Oh, I don't know. So 9th of March, 2006. Have I got that date right? She died in 2002. 2006 I've got here. The inquest opened in Sydney. Yep, there you are. Yeah, it would have taken... It, it took can, a long time. absolutely can take that long. Why would it take so long? Just a backlog. Yeah, and I feel like coroner's inquests are way down the track. They're always after, you know, everything is kind of said and done. Or they still can be when the investigation's open, but yeah. they hold them off for ages. There were two, and I will admit I got slightly confused with this when I was reading about it because I think there was a an inquest... And a court case. After yeah, the so the inquest might have been pushed back until the court case was over. Right. I feel and a court like case is, you know, them... can drag on for years. Yeah, 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 which was the case. Okay, so I've got this down as 2006. Hopefully that's correct. The inquest opened in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were statements by Diane's friends and family, by passengers on the Pacific Sky and members of the crew. It was three months in before the first of the men, Leo Silvestri, took the stand. He was followed by Ryan Kukul, Dragan Losik and Peter. Pantic. Peter Pantic was the only one who formally apologised to Diane's family. Mark Wilhelm claimed that the sex they had with her in the night, uh, that night in the cabin, was consensual, and several of the photos appear to support this. Apparently, one shows Diane fully conscious having sex with Wilhelm. I don't know how you can tell that from a photo. I honestly don't. 
you think you you I know a dummy can. can look like a real person sure. in a photo, can't it? Uh, other photos allegedly show Diane lying naked on the floor of the cabin, having lost control of her bodily functions. So she clearly was overdosed out of it. Several witnesses testified that the I men... I find that image so distressing. Very much so. And I actually... No, I'm not looking at it, but thinking about it, I, yeah. I find it really distressing. I was and nearly because... going to leave that out, but it's well, because of that, because of the way she was treated. Because of the fact that you said she's a mum. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's any less okay for someone who doesn't have kids, but how awful for her children. It's actually a key part of what comes up later, right. is that she had a 12-year-old with her. Would she have behaved in the way that it appears that or they've tried to make out as though she's sure. come back for a big night with the boys with her 12-year-old sleeping just metres away. It certainly is a valid question. Um, lots of witnesses on the ship said that most of the time these guys had been on the ship, they were just basically assholes. that's me editorialising, but they, mm. they asked a 15-year-old to do an erotic dance in their cabin for cash they gate-crashed the cabin of four girls and asked them if they were going to the disco where they could go down on them. And they asked one woman if they could give her oral sex. So you're getting a picture of the, the class of these guys. Um, the inquest was told that in the first police interview that took place in New Caledonia, Leo Silvestri denied any involvement. He said, and this is um, so horrible, but he told the police that Diane, she smelt, she was black and she was ugly. He called her desperate. He called her a yuck, ugly dog. This makes me want to cry. Uh, He called her a fat thing. He said he was angry because she had, and I quote, fucked up his holiday by dying in his cabin. You don't have to speak. I can see that you're speechless anyway. So sometimes I like to say about criminals, they need to go in the bin. Yeah. And that's jail. Yeah. And then for for real special assholes, I reserve... They need to go in the Satan bin. Yeah, Satan He's bin for Satan you, mate. Bin. Uh, other witnesses said that this Leo Silvestri, the person who said those things, uh, told another cruise passenger, a woman by the name of Alison McCain, that, quote, the bitch is dead, the fucking bitch is dead, some shit went down last night, some top secret shit, and that a woman had died. Uh, several passengers said Silvestri had told them that the group had considered throwing Diane overboard. What? I don't know why it's there's something with this case. I feel so it's so degrading, violated yeah. on her behalf. Yeah, you, I just can't imagine it's how so degrading. Uh, at least ten passengers said that they saw Diane lying unconscious and naked on the cabin floor. There were several women who uh, Mark Wilhelm had specifically invited back to the cabin to see her in that state. Uh, it was revealed during the inquest that when the group of guys realised that something was wrong. They washed and dressed Diane before they called for help. And when the medical officers on the ship tried to resuscitate her, Sylvester told the ship's purser to get the bitch out of my room. Can I sidetrack for a moment yeah. quickly? Yeah. Um, and I won't say that the specifics of this case, but there is a rape case that I have covered mm. where it was more than one rapist involved Mm. and do you know what is the worst part and it's the worst part of this story as well it's that it's the gang mentality I'm not saying they did anything to her I'm not saying they raped her I'm not saying anything like that but it's that thought of a group of men doing something to a woman who is vulnerable and it just terrifies me yeah yeah. It's so and it can't, awful. I don't care how much she had drunk. I don't care if she had willingly taken the drugs. You don't deserve to be raped because of that. Yeah. And you don't deserve to be killed because had of that. Had she been raped? Uh, that's a very good point. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure. Okay, I that's think... okay. You can say that. Yes. Well, they were calling it consensual sex okay. during the... Oh, hearing. there was Weren't evidence they? of sex. They were saying they had photos of her and there were photos of her, of having her sex. appearing to have consensual sure. sex and that's what the men said. Okay. But that's, okay. how can she ever put her side of the story? No. Sylvester told the coronial court that Kukul told him 
that Mark Wilhelm had -hmm. given Diane the drug and that she took it willingly, but Mark Wilhelm denied this. Now, Diane's family and friends said that she was a very moral woman. She didn't approve of taking drugs or of casual sex, but her doctor, who I wish hadn't, gave evidence that she had recently been prescribed the morning after pill, as though that's some indication of her... Um, and had previously had an HIV test, which again is no proof of anything. Um, Now, there was a break in proceedings for a few months. Then we're at the 9th of July 2007, so this is nearly five years after she died. Mm -hmm. The inquest resumed. Um, By this stage, police had tapped the phones of the guys uh, for six months, but there was nothing incriminating that they were able to get on tape. Um, they made derogatory comments about her. They oh. spoke about themselves being the victims. That they... is exactly what happened in that case that I covered. Oh, really? Yeah. And these guys talked about how they could actually make money out of the whole case. Oh. They were talking about selling their story to the media. In the Maybe... case I covered, they were group texting each other, <gasps> talking about saying derogatory things about the victim. Can the police see your texts? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, they took their phones. Oh, I see. Dumb enough right, to text okay. about it. Uh, they would. T- they talked about uh, one of their bright ideas was setting up a website that people would have to pay in order to be see stuff on. This is not the same. No. No, it's not. But I'm just shocked that. Yeah, that they thought that was okay. Uh, another one uh, from the group, Luigi Vitali, told the inquest that he never met Diane. He didn't believe her death was suspicious, and he had no memory of the events leading up to her death. Yeah, right, mate. Pigs might fly. Matthew Slade. Um, he sort of tried to distance himself from the others, mm-hmm. and he called them wankers and idiots. Now, at the conclusion of the inquest, the coroner said that there was enough evidence to satisfy a jury that known persons had committed indictable offences. Yep. The counsel assisting the inquest, a man by the name of Ron Hernick, said that Leah Silvestri and Mark Wilhelm could be charged with murder mm-hmm. and the possible charges could relate to supplying a person with a drug and not rendering a person assistance. When you think about it, yeah. it's the very least they could have done would yeah. be to help her. Uh, the case was then referred to the Director of Public Prosecution. So it was another five months later, mm. December of 2007, that the police tried to serve an arrest warrant on one of the men over a different issue. This is Peter Pantic. He's the one who... Apologise to the family. Yes. Um, they were after him on a charge of importing zoophilia pornography. What's that? I can't Google it. It's a work phone. Uh, d- please don't Google it. I can't. Don't. <laughs> it's people that have sex with animals. Oh, you could have just said that as soon as I... Well, it's called zoophilia. Right. I'm not saying he was making it, but they alleged that he was importing it. Uh, He, by now, had fled Australia with a one-way ticket to Serbia. He was brought Mm -hmm. back and he was fined $5,000 over the porn thing. Mm -hmm. Another year later, 2008 now, the New South Wales Director of Public Prosecutions recommended that Mark Wilhelm be charged with manslaughter and supplying um, the drug, the fantasy, and that Leo Silvestri and Ryan Kukul be charged with perverting the course of justice. So Kukul by now was living in Dubai. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to, go on, take a guess. Oh, what were the charges? This was, hang on, uh, Kukul was charged with perverting the course of justice. Oh, hardly anything. 18 months good behaviour. Oh, yeah, good behaviour bond? Yeah. So not even jail time? No. Yeah. Uh, Silvestri pleaded guilty to concealing a serious indictable offence and was sentenced to 15 months jail. But the sentence was suspended because he had yeah. pleaded guilty and because he agreed to give evidence at the trial of Mark Wilhelm, who was the man alleged to have given Diane the drug. October 2009 now, Mm -hmm. a Supreme Court trial of Mark Wilhelm ended with the jury unable to reach a verdict. 21st of April 2010, the manslaughter charge against Mark Wilhelm was dropped. He then pleaded guilty to supplying Diane with the drug, GHB. Supreme Court Justice Roderick Howey said that if Wilhelm was responsible for Diane's death, it was only in a moral or technical way and that there was doubt that he was criminally responsible. 
Uh, and this judge said, or Justice uh, Howie said, she was an adult who voluntarily took the drug, knowing what it was. But how do they know that she voluntarily took I the drug? I don't know how he knew that. Uh, she didn't think it would harm her. How does he know well, what how do she you know thought? what she thought? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, neither did Mr. Wilhelm. So Wilhelm was convicted, but he wasn't given any punishment. The judge said that he had suffered years of public humiliation and severe mental illness since Diane's death and that no punishment would be like what he had suffered since she died. Mm. I, I just I had to keep stopping in this and going, did I read that right? Yeah. Uh, we're now November 2010, just a few months later after the judge made those comments. This is where I got confused because the state coroner then released findings. Yes, right. Which thankfully seemed to have a little more thought put into them. Uh, the state coroner, Jacqueline Millage, handed down the findings of the inquest and she ruled that Diane Brimble had been unknowingly drugged for the sexual gratification of others that she was on a family holiday and simply would not have taken the drug willingly only metres from where her young daughter slept. Uh, She said that Diane was a person who lived a decent and innocent lifestyle. Uh, She said, why then would a woman who could not be described as worldly, promiscuous or daring be found naked and dead in a cabin, dying from the effects of the date rape drug? And she said there was evidence to suggest that the drug had been supplied to Wilhelm by Silvestri and she criticised Wilhelm for not telling the medical staff that Diane had taken a drug, which meant she wasn't given the best chance of survival. So that's where everything ended legally. There's been nothing that's further it. since then. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of other things. The Brimble family reached a settlement with P&O, the cruise line, for mm-hmm. what was described as a reasonable amount of money. Um, and during the inquest, P&O's chief executive, Peter Ratcliffe, apologised for the company's failure to handle the situation properly. Um, Wilhelm, Slade and Kukul are believed to have distanced themselves from the other five, but the other five have remained close friends. And then last year, 2018, Diane's former husband, Mark Brimble, said that the inquiry into her death was a waste of taxpayers' money. Hmm. He was disheartened that none of the recommendations of the inquiry inquiry into her death were enacted. So the House Representative Standing Committee on Social Policy and Legal Affairs made 11 recommendations um, basically to stop the same thing from happening again. And one of them was a voluntary scheme for cruise ship operators when they leave Australia to give standard safety information to all passengers. That has actually now come into effect. And cruise ship operators have, and I believe this was voluntary, but they've installed CCTV on all their ships. But Mark Brimble, um, Diane's former husband, said that's not enough and that Diane's death was in vain. It's awful, isn't it? It's so awful. Do you know what's interesting, though? So there was obviously they were being rowdy, in the yeah. lead up to this happening. Yes. And I wonder if, and I don't obviously know, if there were complaints made and what was done about those complaints between those incidents From and these other happened. women. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thank God those other people came forward and said, no, they did this to me. They asked me to come here with them um, just to basically back up. Because I remember early in the case when it bobbed up in the media, you know, you thought, that this was a woman who just let her hair down and gone crazy and, oh, she, not victim blaming, but it was sort of painted that she'd somehow brought it upon herself. And the more it unfolded over the years, it became very clear that that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, it just left me feeling very, very sad. I'm going to Google a photo. I think she was quite a small woman. Yeah, I think so too. And this, look, there are photos. I don't think I'm even going to put them on our um, social media. No, there's photos of the men. Yeah. I think... There's one photo of one of the guys. Before they leave? Yep, that one. And then there's – we'll put that one up. But there's another one somewhere around of one of the guys and it's been sort of pixelated around his downstairs area because he's clearly got no – he's wearing like a life jacket and no pants. Oh, no, that doesn't come up And I don't know at what stage that was. Yeah, it's around. It's somewhere on there. Mm. Hmm. So rest in peace, Diane Brimble. It's horrible. Yeah, I know. And and just everything about it, you know, setting off on this – Cruise of a lifetime with your daughter and and uh, your sister. Yeah. Sad. Okay. Well, just to go down a notch, I'm also very... Are you Debbie Downer too? Yeah. Oh, happy 50th anniversary to us. 
So I have to work this story backwards because it came to my attention because I saw what's happening with it now. And so I had to work backwards to work out where it started. So we're talking about a man called Todd Colhep. Don't know it. Is that how you say that? Colhep? Colop? Yes, go with Colhep. It's American. There's no accent to be done. Well, it's got a Germanish look to it or a Dutch look to it. Colhep was described as a troublesome child. Um, In nursery school, he was known to be aggressive towards Mm. other children and would destroy their property. Look, most little boys do that. that. At the age of nine, when he started, uh, he was sent to do counselling and he was described as being explosive and preoccupied with sexual content. He also displayed cruelty to animals. Oh, no. Red flag. Yeah, red flag. Uh, But hang on, what makes a kid, when there's a sexual thing like that with a kid, mm. I straight away think what has happened to them. Oh, sure. Because I don't think that comes – I mean, kids are interested. Everything's about bottoms and I can remember – you know. Side note, my daughter's – I thought of it today because at Bonnie's uh, fifth birthday – I I made a fairy wonderland. All the little girls came dressed as fairies. I got my wedding dress and I glued flowers all over it and I was the fairy queen and I read stories to them. And my son Bailey was three years old. Yeah. This graphic content ahead warning. Um, And Bailey was in his Buzz Lightyear face. So he was dressed in his Buzz Lightyear costume. What did he do? Well, so I'd made this fairy grotto and it was all lovely and there were twinkly lights and all the little girls were there <laughs> giggling. He was the only boy. He came and sat next to me for fairy story time at the party. He got his bum out. Worse. Front bum. I'm reading the story and I hear this voice say, my winky's sticking out, which it oh. was because little boys do that and their winky does stick out, at which all of the little fairy girls giggled and laughed, which made it worse and made it happen still gets more. his bum out. Does he? Yep. Well, the Buzz Lightyear pants were down. I'm saying, Bailey, please. Like, I'm sure recently my sister was over and Nico realised that she was over when he got home. So he walked into the house, backing it up with pants down. So it was just a big hairy butt. What is it with men I don't know. with the bottoms? Well, yeah, this was at the three-year-old in yeah. the front. Yeah. My winky's sticking out. It's it's it, We've got it on video. And he thought it was the funniest and best thing ever. But that was just boy stuff, you know, boys mm. do that. And it's interesting to know how to handle it because you don't want to go, put that away, that's terrible, because that's going to give him some hang-up his whole sure. life, thinking that there's something wrong with his teeny tiny little penis. Okay. So he also displayed cruelty to animals, shooting a dog with a BB gun and killing a goldfish with Clorox. No. Mm. On November 25, 1986, he was just 15 years old at the time, he kidnapped a 14-year-old girl in Arizona. I know. How are the red flags going? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he threatened her with a 22 caliber revolver, brought her back to his home, tied her up, taped her mouth shut and raped her. What? Mm. He was 15. After the attack, he walked her home and threatened to kill her youngest siblings if she told anyone about what had happened. He was caught for that rape yeah. and he was charged with kidnapping, sexual assault and committing a dangerous crime against children. In 1987, he pleaded guilty to the kidnapping charge and the other charges were dropped. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison and registered as a sex offender. God, at that age. Yeah. Wow. Now, according to court records, he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. He had an IQ of 118, which is considered above average. Question. Sure. Borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Doesn't actually say something. What is that? Is that like um, bipolar or what does it mean? Yeah. Well, that's an excellent excellent question. I don't know. Shall I Google? Because everyone's got a personality. Does it mean you haven't got a fully formed What are the nine symptoms? Here we go. Fear of abandonment, unstable relationships, unclear of shifting self-image, impulsive, self-destructive, self-harm, extreme emotional swings, chronic feelings of emptiness, explosive anger. It's it's a bit sort of vague and... Yeah. Yeah. But Mm. I think that there are people that have uh, BPD... That Why have you live... suddenly got like a slang for it? BPD? Well, because I just realised that my sister talks about BPD. Oh, okay. Yeah, because she used to be a social worker. Huh. Yeah. 
that's why I just realised what okay. it is. And yeah, I think heaps of people have it and live quite fine with it. Mm. You're not necessarily a rapist. Right, okay. Okay. So uh, the judge in in the case said that he was very bright and should be advanced uh, academically, but behaviourally he was emotionally dangerous and likely could not be rehabilitated. Oh, dear. Broken human. Yes. His probation officer wrote a similar description in court papers and added that he felt the world owed him something. Hmm. Uh, His attorney in that case later went on to say that while defending him, he did not believe his client would go on to harm others in the future. In August of 2001, he was released from prison after serving 14 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, He moved to South Carolina where his mother was living. He went to university. He obtained a degree in business administration and marketing. Oh, now, I wasn't expecting that. Neither. No. When I was researching this story, Hmm. it's important to remember here, he is a registered sex offender. Mm. He goes on to get his real estate license. Oh. Yeah. Now, he only got that license because he lied on his application about having a felony charge. Uh, He went on to build up his own agency. He had dozens of agents working for him. Have you been watching Chris Lilly's Lunatics? Yes. The guy that's the real estate agent with the huge ass. That is the funniest show. (laughs) Nicholas puts these weird shows on and falls asleep and I end up watching them. Yeah. This is what happened I with love lunatics. It. I love Yana who can <laughs> and she's clearly in love with her assistant. Wait, I lo- I love a South African accent because I watched a documentary about Riva. Oh and the Blade Runner. Oh, I know. That was awful, wasn't it? I know, we shouldn't make fun of it, but I just The accents. I know. Yes. But Yana, yes, Yana's I thought someone had broken listening. into the house. <laughs> and the dog's off having gender And I was yelling, Reva, call the police. I've shot. <laughs> You're doing it. Oh, my it's God, my, my baby. My baby's I, grown up. She's done an accent. I love pretending. What's his real name? Who? The Blade Runner? Yeah. Um, I love doing his accent. I don't know oh. why. I sometimes do it to Nicholas. Reva, I, I asked Reva to call the police because I said I've shot someone in the bathroom. Isn't that great? I've forgotten his name and let's not even try to And then and I realised Reva was not calling the police. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm deliberately not going to try and use my brain cells to remember his name. I don't know why we watched that documentary did and I obsessed with person. that accent ever since. Anyway. Uh, where are we? So he goes on to get his real estate license. Uh, dozens of people working for him, very successful. Now, a customer who sold her home uh, to Colhep remembered him as extremely outgoing and professional, but noted that he would often talk about guns mm-hmm. and just sometimes subtly dropped in sexual innuendos into their conversations. Mm, but that's not hugely unusual, is it? Well, the gun part's throwing me off. Oh, the gun, yeah, but not yes. the other. It's just could be seen as flirting. Another woman who assisted uh, one of his employees described him as angry and condescending towards his partner. Yes. Now, a banker, again, another person who was obviously called to give comment about him, said that he watched a lot of porn. Again, like, I don't know, is that unusual? Oh, unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's weird, right? Yeah, that is. I just want to see if you've got a sector chat, boss. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm just That's on weird, right? www.bigboobs.com. Yeah, yeah uh. weird. Now, he uh, often went to a Waffle House restaurant. Uh, his behaviour freaked waitresses out there. What did he do to the waffles? Well, no, I don't know what he did to the waffles. I don't understand waffles. What? I don't understand what? them. What? What? Where? What? what are they? They're what? not a pancake. Lo- They're not no. toast. I'm doing a waffle over a pancake. What? Like if I stay at a hotel, I don't know why I get obsessed with waffles. Like I want to check. No. Yeah. No. I'm so into it. Waffle cone. Yes. When you're on the Gold Coast, well, you know, when like you're down that Caval Avenue, you can smell them. Hmm. Anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. You'd be safe. You went, you went at the Waffle House. I would have a crumpet or a pancake before I would have a waffle. Kirstie's, no, I would have a toast. Toast Kirstie's first. Right off you too. Right. What right would you up. have, Kirsten? Waffle every day of the week. A wa- no. Waffles a waffle are, every day of the waffles week. Waffles are not that common. Correct. No. Mm. Anyway, so the waitresses there were freaked out to the point where when he came in, a male chef would have to come and take his order. Oh, Because right, they were okay. freaked out by him. Yeah. 
Trust your so, instincts correct. every time. Yep. Let's go to November 6, 2003. A customer found four people shot to death <gasps> inside Superbike Motorsports, a motorcycle shop. Um, the victims were identified as owner Scott Ponder, who was 30, the service manager Brian Lucas, who was also 30, a mechanic Chris Sherbert, 26, and the bookkeeper Beverly Guy, who was oh, 52. God. And she was Scott Ponder's mother. All four of them died from multiple gunshot wounds. Investigators believe that the gunman was armed with a pistol, entered the shop from the back and killed Chris as he worked. Mm. He then killed Beverly in the middle of the showroom, Brian at the main doorway and Scott in the car park. Now, according to Scott's wife, uh, Colehep was a disturbed, disgruntled customer who had been into the shop several times. Mm. Now, according to Colehep's mother, he had attempted to return a motorcycle there, but the employees had laughed at him, would not return the money he'd paid for the motorcycle and embarrassed him for not knowing how to ride one. That's according to him. According to his mum. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, he must have told her that. Yeah. So when yeah. they're investigating who who are the possible people, yeah. this comes up. Uh-huh. Now, I want to go from – so that was in – what did I say? 2003. Three. We okay. go to 2016. Oh. Yeah, quite a jump. Now, on thirty on the 31st of... 35th? Yes. Please speak to me, August 2016, Carla Brown and her boyfriend, Charles David Carver, went missing. And they went missing after they went to clean Colhep's home. Uh-huh. Carver was found dead of multiple gunshot wounds on Colehep's property. Oh. Uh, interest in the disappearance of Carla and Charles obviously increased. Um, and as a result, they found messages posted on Charles' Facebook account following their disappearance, and they were weird. Oh, so now, hang on, he's know... dead, but there's messages going on his Facebook. Yeah, so oh. they. This obviously prompted speculation that another party had taken control of his Facebook account. Yeah. On November 3, Carla was found by authorities. She was chained to the wall inside a metal storage container on the property. Dead? Investigators had tracked her down after tracing the couple's last known cell phone signals, after which they heard banging noises coming from inside the container. Oh, she was alive. Yeah. (gasps) Oh! Uh, now, this is Chuck Wright, who was the county sheriff. She was banging very hard on the container. She was uh, bound. There was a chain from the top of the cage to something else that went around her neck. She was distraught, uh, panicked. She said she witnessed him being shot. A search of Colhep's property recovered uh, Charles's vehicle, which was found in a ravine covered in branches and yeah, things like yeah, yeah. that. Now, according to Carla, she witnessed her boyfriend being shot. Oh, Colhep's mother claimed sh- that he was killed for having a really smart mouth, oh. with Col- which Colhep didn't like. He said that he kept Carla captive because she didn't do anything wrong and he didn't want to hurt her. However, in the January 1st, uh, 2018 episode of People Magazine Investigates, uh, Carla stated in a video taken by police that just, this is just after her release, that uh, Colehep had killed Charles because Colehep was mad at her. Oh. Mm. Now, during her captivity, she was intimidated into not escaping after having been shown graves of his other victims. (sighs) Uh, he was arrested shortly after Carla was rescued. He later confessed to the motorbike store shootings mm-hmm. all those years ago, and two bodies were discovered on his property following his arrest wow. on November 6. They were later identified as husband and wife, uh, Johnny Joe Coxie, who was 29, and Megan Lee McGrath Coxie, who was 26, residents uh, who were reported missing on December 22, 2015. And what did they do to him? Did they, they were, look at him on the well, street? Well, they were working on his property. I don't know what happened, but... Stood on a blade of grass that he wanted to stand something. on. Something. 
Yeah. Megan had been killed by a gunshot wound to the head on December 25 or 26, while Joe had been killed a week earlier by a gunshot wound to the torso. So he's just disposing of people that he doesn't just, Yeah, just killing like. people. Now, according to the county coroner, they were identified through their extensive tattoos. That's how they knew who they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, he confessed to those two murders in exchange for allowing him to talk to his mother. Oh, give her a photograph and transfer money to the college fund of a friend's child. While meeting his mother, he reportedly confessed to the killings and kidnapping. His mother, Regina Tag, spoke to CBS. We have some of that audio. Todd is not a monster. He's not even close to it. He wasn't doing it for enjoyment. He was doing it because he was mad and he was hurt. Given what your son has admitted... Mm-hmm. Your son is the definition of what's known as a serial killer. I hate that. I know that's what they say. He was a very misunderstood. Now, when he confessed to the motorbike shootings, Colhep said he shot each of the victims once in the head, a detail in the investigation that was never released to the public. Ah, uh, okay. So they, they knew it they had knew to it be him. him. Yeah. A search of his property found numerous weapons, including 9mm pistols um, with suppressors, semi-automatic rifles, and just a shitload of bullets and ammunition. Following his arrest, uh, he told his mother that there was no victims aside from the ones he confessed to. Mm. However, during the interrogation, he claimed to have shot a person in Arizona. Just someone doesn't know who? Yeah. On November... 25, 2016, police in Greer, South Carolina, announced that they had uh, they have named Colehep as a person of interest in an unsolved 2003 bank robbery, 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 <laughs> and triple homicide at the local Blue Ridge Sorry. Savings Bank. I'm not laughing at the homicide. No, I'm laughing at the robbery. The crime, the robbery. The crime was separated uh, from the sh- the. Chesney shootings by six months. Mm-hmm. That's the motorbike shootings. So it was six when he months. was up and about and doing Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Now he pleaded guilty to seven counts of murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of criminal sexual assault and was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Uh, and that was in a plea bargain that spared him from capital punishment. Yeah. So from lethal injection or whatever they do. Mm hmm. Uh, and this is what start, piqued my interest uh, when I said I started from the end because his home was listed for sale just last week. The one that she, the property she was found at and there was the a body in the garden. House. Oh, really? Yeah. <gasps> now, according to a listing from the real estate agent, uh, the property is priced at $150,000. The house is just one of his assets that's being liquidated at the moment with the profits going to the victim's families. Oh, okay. Then. Yeah. Makes he has sense. other properties that are being sold and also his belongings are being auctioned off. Which I can't imagine amount to much. A couple well, of I feel like people want serial killers things. Waffles, do they? Yeah, yeah I, but they, they shouldn't do. be allowed to have them. Like if you want something like that, you're a sick bastard. It also kind of makes that person famous because then you're gonna you're buying yes, it to exactly. plant on sale exactly. it to say it belonged to a serial killer. Burn it. Mm. Mm. We've got guests on the line. Yep. Why can't I hear Chanel? You should turn a yeah. mic on. There yeah. she is. <laughs> Go. Done. All right. I'll pop you through to them. Oh. Hello. Who is it? Hi. Oh, oh my God! It's Basra and Sabrina. Yes. It is. <laughs> Gotcha. That's our little happy 50th anniversary present. Kirsten and I sneaky. I love the shit out of this. <laughs> it's our girls, not not a girl and a boy. And, okay, first of all. No, why do you get to ask questions? I'll ask the questions. Let's all ask questions. But this. I just want to know, were they upset when I called them babies? Because I think you're not I babies. Know. How old are you, girls? Sabrina um, is 16. I'm 17. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you are your babies to me. <laughs> Who's got first question? Chanel. I, I can't ask You question. can't ask I'm her. <laughs> you go. All right. I want to know how you first discovered our podcast. Good question. Um, well, I was looking because I'm really into the podcast, My Favourite Matter. But sometimes the episodes are like a bit too long. 
And, like, you just can't listen to a whole one in one sitting. So I was trying to find something similar but shorter. And then I found your podcast. And then I told Sabrina about it. And then that's actually how we, like, became friends. Like, we weren't really close before. But then we kind of realized that we both liked the same. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're dying. That's Stop. divine. That is so cute. And and now I feel super bad because we, we, when we started, we were like doing these nice, tight 30-minute episodes and then we got Sometimes we a blow bit yappy. Out. So uh, do you reckon, now be honest, are they a bit long and a bit, do we crap on a bit too much now? No, no. It's so good. We love the chatter at the beginning. It's, it feels really great. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, any criticisms, anything or anything we can do to improve the podcast? More accents. Oh, oh no. Okay. Yes. no, excuse me. I feel like last episode I was getting sucked into doing accents. I felt I was on the verge of wanting to join accents, but I'm not. <laughs> I wanted you to. And what about the singing? How's that going for you? Oh, we loved the Celine Dion. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Edith Piaf. That was it. <laughs> Did you know who Edith Piaf was before this podcast? Yes, I study oh. French at school. Oh, so. fabulous. that's Because, you know, I secretly, to be really honest, I just hope that someone one day will say, you know what, you've actually got quite a good voice. And it's not going to happen, but I live in hope no. that it might happen. Do you have any questions for us? What are you oh, doing? yeah. <laughs> we did have one. Okay. Oh, we were just wondering what the catalyst for you guys was to like for becoming interested in dead bodies and true crime and everything oh. like that. Well, I was on the crime round for Channel 10 and I had come in to do some radio with Dee Dee and we were talking about the crime round and seeing dead people and then off air she said, I've never seen a dead body. And I was mortified by the fact that she had never seen a dead body. I was you know, what about a loved one at a funeral? Nah. You've never just randomly seen one on the road when there's been a car accident? Nah. And then she started talking about how she's fascinated with death, but she's never seen a dead body and I was seeing them all the time. And then we decided to do a, a podcast and it's we just it's happened ever since. Yeah. And I, I think also I, I love listening to My Favourite Murder, same as you girls, um, and we wanted to do crime and that sort of thing, but in a different way, like come at it from a different perspective than just tell. And look, we, we have pretty much ended uh, ended up telling crime stories, but we do try and keep in mind that the thing is that we're talking about the death and the dead bodies, as mm. you've probably noticed. Um, I think there's, there's the elephant in the room was, girls, and we need to talk about this, was your disappointment <laughs> with Shana. Because oh, for those who aren't familiar, Basma and Sabrina sent us what I can only describe as an avalanche of emails trying Every- to guess <laughs> Chanel's dead body hiding spot and and girls I think you're a little disappointed in in the long run That's not, I think I think we were expecting something a lot like crazier Basma thinks it's bullshit that's what we're getting at right <laughs> we had thought of something similar like we had thought of that but then we just thought it wasn't like wild enough because you were like going on about how like no one would ever guess it, no one would no ever one guessed yeah. no one guessed yep See, but we the, thought of it. We just didn't guess it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just so obvious. It was in our head. We just didn't say it. I still think the best one was what the petrol tank one. Like yeah, you know, go, I agree. Thank you, thank you. Yes, that or on. The, I accept the other one was the on the on the roof of a building, but I accept that yeah. it would be very difficult to get the body up onto the roof of a building. Now, Basma and Sabrina, you're very young, so I hope the answer to this is no. But have you ever seen a dead body? Well, um, <laughs> no, oh, but we good. did go and see the uh, Plastination exhibition yes. a couple of months ago. Yep. Yeah. What did you think? <laughs> they were in a lot of interesting poses. It was really interesting to see. Does it feel I like they're know... not real people, though? Does it kind of feel like they're fake people? Yeah, it's a bit yeah. surreal. Yeah. Yeah, so... no, it definitely, because, like, there are ones where it's, like, you can see all of their muscles and stuff, and it's, like... Like, it's really hard to associate that with, like, an actual person who was alive at some point. I'm so thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, yeah, crazy experience. I'm so thrilled now, that we're on the phone to Basma and Sabrina. I know, it's so exciting. Um, <laughs> now, the mother in me is a little concerned that we somehow interrupted your studies and you did send us one message where you said you didn't do well and I don't believe that because... <laughs> Judging by the way you write and you converse with us. Very smart. You're smart girls. So what year are you in in high school? We're in, 
Yeah, we're in year 12. Okay. Um, and we, we do exaggerate. We do exaggerate. <laughs> we're at a very good school and it's just it's a stress. Yeah, we're very so, lucky. Yeah. And do any of your friends know that you get talked about on a podcast all the time? <laughs> do your parents we know? Do. So some of our friends know, but not many of our friends are as interested in these kind of things as we are. But my, our parents do know. My, my yeah. parents are in love with it. They're so... They're living vicariously through me being on the podcast. I love this. And your friends are obviously not as cool as you, so that's very unfortunate (laughs) for your friends. But I'm glad that your parents love it. And what do you want to be? Is this this something that's just, you know, like you're reading a book and this is interesting in that way? Mm. Or is something to do with death or investigation? Is that like something you've got your eye on as a career? You can say no. (laughs) Basma, how about you start? Um... I think my mum has always been watching, like, Law and Order and, like, Criminal Minds and stuff. So, like, I grew up with that stuff just constantly on the TV in the background. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where, like, I think I just kind of got an interest in that. In but law? I don't know. In, um, in kind of, like, crime and just, like, gruesome, like, deaths <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's just kind of a side interest type of thing. Um, I kind of want to be a forensic psychologist, but I don't know if it's related to the fact that I like crime so much or if it's just just kind of, yeah. I think there's a little bit of both in that. There's that compassionate side of things Mm. and also just the interest in in solving a crime. And Sabrina, what about you? Well, I think I want to be an architect, so it's quite a different field to dead bodies. Um, yeah. So it's kind of just been a side interest for me, yeah. Right, okay. Well, this has been such a joy talking I to you, dear. <laughs> I just love that you were on the phone and that we've spoken to I you. I know, I'm and really excited. As you know, I don't check the emails, so Dee Dee handles the emails and I'm always thrilled. And I walk in and I say, has anything from Basma and Sabrina? <laughs> and then you went off the radar and I was concerned said that we've lost them. Can we write to them? Is that weird? But I'm so glad that you listen and I'm so glad that you love what we do. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you girls. Thank you so much for making our 50th episode extra special for all of us Aww. by being part Thank of you guys. And you've been with yeah. us since the beginning, so we kind of consider you to be part of our whole podcast. So yeah. thank you. Oh, that's the highest compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.